This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Visit bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 91st ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio here in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. My voice just cracked, but that doesn't stop me from being great. Um, <laughs> I, As you uh, are well aware, I have been working from home, so I've been home a lot. Uh, and a couple nights ago, my I was telling you guys about this, my dog got sprayed by a skunk. And, uh, you know, we didn't really, it just kind of happened really fast. And the dog came back in the house after it happened. And so the house has been really stinky uh, recently. My dog's been really stinky. And uh, it feels really good to just get out of the house because this is pretty much the first time it's happened since that happened like two days ago. Yeah. Um, hopefully I'm not stinking up the studio. I'll but be honest, I don't smell any skunk on that's you. great but it's it, it's good to uh to get <laughs> it's good to get out of the uh, uh get out of the house yeah but uh how are you i'm doing well um i've been out of the house pretty regularly so uh but that's one of the many reasons i don't have a dog and then i just alienated 70 percent of the audience yeah when i let her outside uh last night i had like a little bit of ptsd i'm not gonna lie and so did she she actually was like craning her head like craning her neck i mean looking outside and uh, I had to go out there with her, and I was looking around in every dark corner of the yard. <laughs> I was like, we are not going through this again. Yeah, skunks are nasty creatures, and yeah, they will they'll cause some damage, and they will cause some skittishness yeah. on the part of household pets. For sure. Uh, let's see here. What are we going to talk about this week? We have some news items, and then we are going to do a fun little segment where we talk about what could have been or would have been the football spring game 2020 obviously it was canceled and we're going to look at um appalachian state's spring game from last year uh the last few missouri tigers spring games under barry odom and what we think we would have been looking for what we think might have happened and what maybe our reactions would have been had it occurred so a little bit of hypothetical um imagination time but should be fun and interesting and it'll give us a reason to talk some football it's been a while since we talked football for sure and i'm wearing my um my drink up t-shirt from 573 t shout out to them uh not a sponsorship not a sponsorship but i love the shirt and i love coach drinkwitz and we're talking about some football so it seemed like a, a great occasion to break it out and you got that uh, state of Missouri outline on there, yeah. which obviously we love. I got my Missouri Sports Podcast shirt, state outline. There you go. Best state outline out there, I would say. I have to agree. Yeah. Nice uh, logo. Oh, Cameron, yeah. producer Cameron. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You can find them on the shop. Don't remember the URL, but we've got it yep. out there somewhere. <laughs> we, we've got it. <laughs> we, you can buy one of our shirts. Yep. <laughs> and you can buy one, uh, one like Kyle has. Absolutely. Uh, let's see here. What kind of news are we going to talk about? Uh, Kyle, let's let's start with football, then go basketball, then we'll be back into football for the spring game stuff. Uh, football, we have a, a gentleman named Dalen Carnell who has been, you know, c- 
creating some buzz on Twitter because his 24-7 sports crystal ball predictions have been trending towards Missouri. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, this is this is a big deal. Um, this is a, a very highly re- highly ranked recruit, um, a, a four-star cornerback from Indianapolis, and uh, th- this would be a huge gift for Missouri. And you know, when the crystal balls start trending um, towards a certain direction, it, it's usually a pretty strong indicator that the movement is happening or there's been a commitment made. Um, you know, just pending an announcement or something like that. Word's gotten out about something. Yes, and a lot of times we don't really know what that is. But you know, when, when multiple guy, when multiple experts start, you know, making their picks for for a certain player, it, there's usually a reason for that. And uh, we are kind of looking at some of the uh, it gives like some statistics for individual experts and how how much they're right. And uh, a lot of them are in like the upper 90s of how correct how the percentages for uh, how correct they are. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's definitely a good thing. Um, Missouri's done really well recruiting uh, defensive backs lately with uh, Ennis Rakestraw. Obviously, that's that was a massive commitment. So um, hopefully that pays dividends in the long run. Yeah, I was looking at the 24-7 crystal ball situation, and maybe this is a new feature that I haven't seen before, but they've got Missouri at 100%, and then they have an 8 next to it, and it says high. So I, want, I don't know if that's – I'm like trying to a, find more information. Like but a confidence rating? Yeah. Oh, actually, it, it absolutely is. The individual – predictors have a confidence rating uh they are seven eight and eight which uh the website just kind of mashed together into an eight Mm -hmm. i think one of uh i think the guy that said a seven is the notre dame rivals guy or 247 guy Mm -hmm. um because he's from indianapolis and then the other ones i think are kind of just like general midwest uh experts but um yeah it would be great to i it'd be great to see a commitment for him soon I know that I think Travion Ford and uh, Taj Butts, a couple of those guys, you know, we, we saw Crystal Ball kind of trend in Missouri's favor there, and then within like a week or two, you know, they were they were announcing their commitment. So it's a big deal. Uh, yeah, some other – let me go back to his profile. Some other offers that he holds are from Purdue, West Virginia, uh, Central Michigan, Cincinnati, uh, Duke, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan State, Nebraska, Washington State, and like you alluded to earlier, Notre Dame. So plenty of high-quality offers there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of those schools are you know similar programs to Missouri, kind of in the same level of prestige as, as Missouri. Um, and I think especially with kind of the momentum we have right now we we should be beating out a lot of those schools for recruits often so especially nebraska and that's not always the case so it's it's good to uh it's good to see that yeah the 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 recruiting momentum in football just doesn't act like it wants it wants to stop Mm -hmm. Uh, there was one player recently that ended up committing to minnesota after having missouri in their final five but i mean that's been uh, kind of a one-off now yeah. uh, compared to everybody else that has trimmed their list and that seems like Missouri has been really in on they've been seemingly getting their guys and when we have a situation like that we don't really dwell on it like I don't even remember the, the, the kid's name they ended up going to Minnesota because it was just like well we can't get them all right and I mean when you think about what can Missouri do to improve their recruiting or, or what would we imagine as kind of a best case scenario for Missouri I would say they're pretty much doing that this year when i think of uh, a coach coming in and shutting down the borders um, getting the, the best talent in missouri <clears throat> other than the number one ranked player who's going to ohio state and we've talked about how sometimes that's just unavoidable um for the most part we're locking down the top talent in the state and getting some top players from other states as well so 
Um, and the class isn't finished, but so far it really looks like we're kind of following a blueprint as what we would probably design as best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I would call it like a realistic best case scenario. Yeah, there you go. We like to be realistic on this yes, podcast. We do. <laughs> Rational. Um, was that the main? Was there any other football news this week? I feel like that as was as far as like recruiting goes. I think that was really the main thing. Yeah. Um. All right. So we got some basketball news. Uh, started off with next year's schedule news. Um, Missouri will host Bradley at Mizzou Arena on November 29th. So Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, somebody on Twitter nicknamed it the first uh, inaugural. Ronnie Suggs Invitational or something like that. So, yeah, that's where he came from, right? He came yes. came from Bradley, went to Southern Illinois or something. Another, yeah, another Missouri another Valley school. Talk, yeah, I think we talked about that actually. But, um, yeah, we actually watched uh, Missouri State play, uh, play Bradley last year, and Bradley walked out of JQH with a win. Uh, we hope that does not happen next season uh, in Missouri Arena. But, you know, with the way Missouri's played the last couple of years who knows you know bradley is is a good missouri valley opponent good mid-major team is kind of on the up and up right now they've been to the ncaa tournament more recently than missouri has they have um yeah i think they were a 15 seed like two seasons ago which i think was a little bit ridiculous and ended up giving the two seed a pretty good fight i think yeah, michigan, michigan state. state yeah so um that's you know a game missouri should win but definitely not going to be a super easy one that non-conference schedule, I think we've talked about it before, but it absolutely terrifies me. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. maybe set up so that Missouri can win. You know, they can lose a few games and then still be in the tournament conversation. But also, man, just some tough opponents, some tough environments. Yeah, it's it's definitely super high on the entertainment um value potentially unless it's an absolute flop but it's very as, as far as tournament chances go it's very high risk high reward because like you said you know we we definitely don't have to win them all to uh to still stay in that conversation but we definitely can't just lose them all and which is absolutely something that's in the realm of possibility that missouri could just lose all of those yeah. of those big games they're really every all, single game all, all toss-up um matchups and that and that kind of interesting non-conference yeah. slate we've talked about yeah yeah, it's going to be, I don't know, it's going to be but, so interesting when we get to that point and you're like, you know, we've talked about kind of the concerns we have about the basketball team and their outlook for next season. And, you know, there's just nothing really you know, reassuring me that it's going to be a successful non-conference season. There's just enough cupcakes to where it won't be a complete disaster record-wise, but we also saw last year what can happen when you underestimate an opponent. Yeah, we did. Uh, Continuing on with basketball, let's talk recruiting. Uh, A gentleman by the name of Caesar, probably, Edwards. Caesar, probably Edwards. Um, A 6'10 forward out of South Carolina received a Mizzou offer. He's ranked 143rd, according to 24-7 Sports, in the class of 2021. Holds other offers from Clemson, Florida, South Carolina, and Xavier. Uh, you may have already said this, but he's um, like a six nine forward. 
Did you already say that? I said 6'10". 6'10". Wow. Okay, so you already described his measurables, but... Sure. um, Yeah, forward. um, I I watched his film today, and I got to say, of all the guys we've talked about in the last week or two, this guy might be my favorite as far as just a realistic target that I think Missouri has a shot at. Um, And he's got some good offers, um, like you mentioned. He's from South Carolina, so he has a lot of those kind of SEC offers, but... This guy can can really play. Um, he's super versatile for for how tall and big he is. Um, but you know, kind of his his highlight film, at least the one I watched, kind of laid out in in um, categories like certain things he can do. Like he can shoot, he can rebound really well, and he can defend. Um, he's athletic. Uh, he has just a beautiful shot um, for for his size, especially. So I I really would like to see Missouri make this guy a priority. Um, I don't know how good of a shot they have at landing him, but it would be really cool to uh, to see this guy um, in a Missouri uniform, in my opinion. That marks the 25th official scholarship offer uh, that's been documented to to this point. Um, so I don't think we're going to see you know a ton more offers go out for the 2021 class uh, based on how the staff has operated in previous seasons, but a handful uh, probably still... Um, yet to go but I think the 2021 class as far as who Missouri is really going after is starting to take shape in the form of where we can just keep track of the same names and we won't be adding too many more as we go forward Um, Missouri has reached out to and I think had a virtual meeting via zoom or something with Sean Duru Gordon I guess, and he is a six-seven forward from New York, uh, class of twenty twenty-one, unranked. But as we said last week, if you are six-seven forward, you will probably get a Mizzou offer <laughs> before too long. Yeah, uh, I, I've seen some reports that Missouri's been talking to this guy for a while. Um, <clears throat> does he have an official offer? I don't think so. Okay, um, but, but only a matter of time. Either way, yeah, I think he's going to get one soon. Um, you know, I watched some film on on him, and uh, he seems like an interesting prospect. And to me, watching his film, he doesn't he does not match his recruiting rankings. He's pretty under the radar right now, um, but I think he may I don't know about blow up, but I think he'll definitely pick up some momentum before it's all kind of said and done. But definitely a, a very athletic guy, super long and rangy, um, blocking shots and getting up for rebounds, and um, just was kind of doing it all actually um, in his film. So. Um, just looked like he played hard all the time so and obviously it's a highlight tape so yeah only power five offer i see according to 24 7 sports is penn state yeah for him so that will be definitely a name to keep an eye on though because i think like you said i think he'll get an offer soon and just general ncaa news the recruiting dead period has been extended uh do you remember the date on it was june 30th yeah something like that was it end of june yeah so uh, remind me what that actually means in practicality. Just no in-home just, visits, nobody coming to campus. I think it just basically like means that. no physical meetings, okay. um, but they'll just continue um, probably what they've been doing the last couple of months, just Zoom calls and all that stuff. So it shouldn't really hinder any offers going out, but I was wondering if maybe the coaching staff, specifically with basketball, would maybe hold out until they were able to maybe go see some games in person uh, once that starts back up. But at some point, you kind of have to act as if 
that's just not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, you got to think there probably aren't very many schools that are just like waiting for better conditions. So you, if you wait for a little while, you're just going to yeah. be behind, which is unfortunate for everybody. You know, you may be making offers to people you never watched play before. So, which is kind of a big deal, but yeah, in, in this, uh, in these conditions, you probably just can't wait. Yeah. I think that's all I have for news before we talk about the, the spring game that wasn't. Yeah. Ready to dive into that? I'm ready. All right. Where should we start here? Perhaps with Appalachian State's uh, spring game last year, Missouri's last few spring games? Yeah, we, we can talk about Appalachian State. <clears throat> I thought it was interesting to kind of look and see what they did last year when Coach Drinkwitz was there because obviously everybody does spring games differently. You know, sometimes they do kind of a one-versus-one, like the, the one offense versus the one defense, or there's a, a dozen different scenarios that teams have done in the past. But um, So I kind of maybe that might – give us a little insight into what we might have seen uh, if Missouri played a spring game. Yeah, really just so disappointing that a uh, new coach, first season, and you're just not getting that access that we thought we were going to get. We're not seeing, you know, a spring depth chart. Yeah. Just not yeah. hearing reports out of practices or anything like that. It's right. just, man, it just leaves so much up in the air for a, I mean, it would, it would do that for any coach, but it being a first year coach, you know, with only one um, year of head coaching experience, it's just, I don't know, it adds that much more to it. Yeah, I'll, I'll preface the entire conversation, too, by saying sometimes you can't exactly put a ton of stock in the, in the spring game, but with a new coach, um, definitely I think there were things that we could have learned uh, in, the, in the spring game um, that we don't know still. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I thought it was interesting to note that at Appalachian State last year, uh, Coach Drinkwitz had the first team offense go head to head with the first team defense and this article that i'm uh that i found on the football team's official website just refers to it as the final spring scrimmage it doesn't actually they don't it doesn't seem like they quite hype it up quite as much as um missouri and the rest of the sec does um but yeah the ones all went against each other and um it looks like the starters were given enough uh room to make a few plays early on uh their qu- quarterback zach thomas uh had a 25 yard touchdown to um one of their top wide receivers and it just seemed like the the first team offense for appalachian state last year kind of worked to the first team defense um and normally you see that in the mizzou spring game because the first team offense is going against the second team defense and so i don't know just kind of interesting i guess Missouri's been doing it that way for a while now, so it would have just been really fascinating to see the first-team offense go up against the best defensive players on the squad. Right, and I don't really know why you don't do that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was definitely an indicator of what was to come for Appalachian State last year. I mean, they had a great offense, had some really uh, potent offensive weapons for sure. I guess one is now on an NFL roster. Um but that yeah that I mean some things you kind of maybe individual performances you kind of take with a grain of salt but maybe the whole team's performance as a as a whole or as a unit um, can definitely be true indicators yeah and uh, according to this article the running game w- uh, found its groove early as well um, they have a pretty they had a star running back named uh, Darrington Evans mm-hmm. uh, who had a touchdown early on um, and then 
Uh, their backup quarterbacks came in. It seems like they didn't really do much through the air, but they were able to scramble a little bit, which actually reminded me of Missouri spring game last year when th- with uh, Lindsey Scott Jr. and uh, Sean Robinson not really showing much through the air, mm-hmm. but uh, getting out of the pocket a few times and making a couple plays. But it's when you get out of the pocket in the spring game when you're not allowed to be tackled, you know, you can't really. It's a little bit different. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, let's see here. It looks like once they went into, once Appalachian State went deeper into the depth chart, um, the offense still kind of carried the day. Um, I thought it was interesting that a kid named Jalen Virgil had a 60-yard touchdown run, but then ended up only having 34 touches on the season. 24 of those were receptions only 10 rushes Hmm. so that kind of speaks to your point about you know players that show up and make big plays in the spring game that doesn't always translate to um you know what happens in the regular season yeah i uh, actually mentioned this to you before we started recording and it's it's about missouri not necessarily appalachian state but uh i remember you know in the 2015 2016 years if you guys probably remember marvin zanders who was a backup quarterback and I'm not sure if he really ever saw much actual game time, but he was like the darling of every spring game, you know, whenever he was at Missouri because he was a great athlete. He would always break some long run in the spring game against the second or third team defense or something like that. Yeah, but, I remember him running around in that green number two jersey. Yeah, he, I mean, he would do it. He did it multiple years where he would have a huge spring game, um, but unfortunately never saw the field. But Yeah, he was behind Drew Locke on the depth chart at quarterback. Right. And even though there was a time when people were calling for uh, – the Marvin Zanders show instead of Drew Locke when Locke Early struggled on. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I think, uh, you know, I watched a little bit of Missouri's like 2018 spring game and like Harry Ballard, the third had like a huge touchdown catch, you know, and he, I don't think I ever saw the field for Missouri either. So just a lot of individual performances like that, especially later in the game, but it's kind of what it's for. Yeah. Um, but overall, uh, the starters for Appalachian state, um, kind of manhandled the first team defense and like I said that kind of spoke to how their offense was pretty electric all season um and uh the second team defense actually did better than the first team or the second team offense later in the game so I don't know if maybe that's a, a sign of things to come as far as the depth on the defensive side of the ball for Appalachian State um I just wish, I don't know, the more I think about it, I just wish we could have seen, you know, you you see some fun little things in the spring game. Last year they uh, had a sideline interview with Kelly Bryant, Mm -hmm. which was pretty unique. Um, The SEC network being there and broadcasting the spring game, it just is that first little taste of the team sort of, you know, on the big stage. Mm -hmm. There's fans in attendance usually and, uh, there's articles that get written about it. And I think they interviewed Drew Locke last year, too. I think he was there for the game. Right, right. <clears throat> um, last year, one thing that I noticed when I looked through the stats of Missouri's spring game was uh, Barrett Bannister had, like, 73 yards receiving mm-hmm. and was kind of all over the place. Yeah, and he was, was kind of Kelly Bryant's go-to in the yeah, spring game. And then that never really materialized in the regular season until – you know some depth issues later in the season mm-hmm. um so i think he's a guy that i would have actually looked at as maybe having another pretty big spring game 
but potentially parlaying that into more of a starring role in the offense in the regular season yeah i mean we have a lot of guys at wide receiver that have kind of shown flashes and um there's definitely gonna be opportunity um in the season this year but it, it would have been interesting to see who kind of stepped up in the spring game and obviously barrett banister was running with the ones uh last year so i assume that he there's a good chance he would have been this year too i think we uh potentially would have you know i'm just kind of all over the place here but just throwing out thoughts i mean uh we probably would have gotten our first look at uh damon hazelton too i'm um, speaking of wide receivers yeah, so absolutely um he's kind of like the one guy i think of as like a surefire number one wide receiver or, or playing you know or starting i guess so would have been cool to see our, uh, a first look at him yeah uh continuing with wide receivers um do you think we would have noticed the absence of cam scott i don't know um you know he he was an interesting guy over the last couple of years you know he would kind of disappear for a little while and then just have some massive game changing play where he would break, you know, like a 60 yard touchdown or something like that. He was kind of a all or nothing guy in, in a way where, you know, if he touched the ball, there's a good chance he was gone. But then sometimes he would just not record a stat for, you know, yeah. long periods of time. And that's not uh, uncommon for young wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would have been interesting to see him mature in the program, but alas, yeah, he's in the transfer portal. Definitely uh, was was disappointed to hear that he was transferring because he was very talented. Yeah, uh, remembering back to last year, uh, in a similar situation as Damon Hazleton, uh, not Hazleton had a much brighter career at uh, Virginia Tech than Jonathan Nance did at Arkansas, but he was a graduate transfer wide receiver who was going to come in and have an immediate role in the offense because of the lack of proven uh, playmakers at wide receiver. Um, and he was a pretty steady part of the offense all season and didn't ever really do anything too spectacular, but it just kind of was like, you know, a steady contributor. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if we get just that from Damon Hazleton, that's like, I think the floor for him this season. I'll yeah. be, if he's healthy, I think that's the floor for yeah. sure. What Nance did last year. Nance had like a couple big plays. I know we had a, I think he had a big touchdown against Wyoming that kind of got us back in that game. Um, but that's for some reason, the one, the one that comes to mind, I, I know he did, he had other big plays, but, um, yeah, he, he was kind of just, he was kind of there. Um, but definitely if we could get Damon Hazleton to at least, you know, reproduce, uh, that maybe a little bit more would definitely be, would be great. Um, I think we definitely need to talk about the quarterback battle and what that would have looked like in the spring game. Um, do you think Connor Bays like plays? No, I don't think he would have played. Um, I mean, I, I think his rehab's going well, but I just there's no reason to to play him in this game whenever his rehab just probably isn't quite complete. And we and there's a very good chance he could be the starter when it come in the fall. I don't think he will be the starter, even if he's if even if he's you know ninety to one hundred percent healthy. I think Sean Robinson's probably going to win that job, but um, that would have been our first real look at, at Robinson running with the ones. Um, and just as interestingly, what we would have seen with the backups yeah because there's only really three healthy quarterbacks on the roster and you know does sean robinson play for a third of the game and um the other two are, are taylor taylor powell and brady brady cook who's been in the program for like two months you know he's a he's a true freshman that joined in the uh, spring semester so um very uh very little experience there so it would have been very intriguing to see like kind of the disbursement of of i was about to say minutes but you know what i mean of, yeah. of plays of snaps yeah. yeah um i've got kind of a theory and maybe a hot take 
mildly hot take regarding the quarterbacks if there had been a spring game. I'm pretty confident that when we when we would be reacting to that spring game, I think we would be thinking and saying, man, I hope Connor Bazelak is healthy and can be the starter at the beginning of the season. Um, I went back and watched some tape of uh, Sean Robinson last year in the spring game as well as um, his time at TCU. Now, as a sophomore at TCU, he was injured. That definitely impacted his play. But I just am seeing a lot of second half of the season Kelly Bryant when I watch Sean Robinson. And I think I don't think there would have been anything in the spring game that would have given us much confidence in the three quarterbacks because Taylor Powell, we know his limitations. Brady Cook would have looked like a freshman. And I think we would be going... Connor Bazelak's got to be the guy, and we got to hope that he's healthy for the season. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know. Assuming Bazelak does not play in this game, like I genuinely don't even know what you do because because Cook is. I mean, does he even know the plays? Like, are you even going to play him very much? And do you put your potential starter in for half the game? Um, I don't know, but I I, I think that's reasonable. Um, you know, Sean Robinson didn't you know light things on fire at TCU he didn't play very well in the spring game when he played last year um but he was pretty new to the program at that time but um I think that he can be good in in Drinkwood's offense um I think that it could potentially cater to um the kind of player that he is but um I think if I had to choose whether between him and a 100% healthy Connor Bazelak, I, I'm, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I, I think Connor Bazelak's very talented. Uh, he played very well against Arkansas um, whenever he did play last year. And, uh, you know, I think that it's expected that he is kind of the, the guy for the future. Um, I don't know about this season, but definitely if he's, if he's 100% healthy, this is definitely a legitimate quarterback battle. And I think that I would like personally think I'd like to see him get the majority of snaps. So that kind of brings up another interesting conundrum uh, with the quarterback position is if Sean Robinson and Connor Bazelak kind of have this competition this year, there's the fact that Sean Robinson has another year, year of eligibility after this. And, you know, there's something to be said for letting a quarterback with four years of eligibility just kind of figure it out along the way if you have that kind of time as a coaching staff or as a program to invest in a kid and then you're looking at maybe a spectacular uh junior and senior seasons from him i just the the timing of it with sean robinson having two years of eligibility i don't know if they would even if he is the starter this upcoming season i gotta think there would be another quarterback battle the following season Mm -hmm. And then what do you do with a senior Sean Robinson and a kid in Bazelak who you potentially want to be the three-year starter at that point? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just... Yeah, it's, it's something that we haven't had to think about for a while. Um, and I agree that, you know, if you've got a freshman quarterback who as who is very talented and is probably as good or better as the guy you are going to have for two years, like Sean Robinson, yeah, you play the freshman and let him figure it out and just hope that he really progresses and and becomes a great player in the sec you know his sophomore junior senior year and we saw that with drew Locke. you know he had 
He had to play his freshman year. They kind of threw him in the fire, but they didn't really have a lot of other choice. We knew he was really talented, and he really struggled that, that freshman year. And, you know, it depends on the situation, but that could probably be a bad thing if he mm-hmm. gets thrown into the fire, uh, doesn't play well, gets in his head. Um, and I think there was a period of time where we felt like that could happen with Drew Locke, and I think he even felt like this, that was happening. But he really bounced back and uh, obviously had a tremendous career at Missouri. But I think I agree with you that, you know, if you've got a, a guy that's super talented and you've got that time where he can play for three or four years, you just put him in there and let him figure it out and give him the experience. Yeah. I, I, unless maybe you really, really feel like the rest of your team is really primed for a really good year, um, like next year. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you play the guy who's a little bit more experienced and 100% healthy and just kind of restart next year with the freshman quarterback? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of a lot to think about there. I just think with Sean Robinson, we're gonna we're not gonna see the pure quarterback skills that make you think, "Wow, this guy can lead the team to something special." And not that necessarily we should be looking for or expecting that next season, because it is first year under new coach. You know, some aspect of rebuilding is natural in that situation, but. I don't feel like it's a talentless roster, so um, you still All right, folks, we're back. We had a little technical difficulty there. Blame producer Cameron. Um, no. Just kidding. It was all of our combined <laughs> faults. No. <laughs> it was nobody's fault. It was just a simple thing that happens sometimes. Anyway, we were talking about quarterbacks, <laughs> and I was saying I don't think Sean Robinson is going to display the pure quarterback skills that you saw from the uh, type of uh, Drew Locke, just really slinging the ball around into tight spaces, um, leading receivers, all that jazz. And the reason I'm thinking that is because his throwing motion was that of Kelly Bryant. Very similar, uh, very slow throwing motion, brings the ball down, brings it all the way around. And I just think if that's unless he's improved the mechanics a bit and looked markedly improved in the spring game in 2020, I think the fan base would be potentially freaking out a little bit about the quarterback play leading up to the season. I do have to agree that our transition from Drew Locke to Kelly Bryant was fairly jarring as far as just like, um, yeah, like the the quick release, just the the arm, I'll say it, the arm talent mm. that Drew Locke displayed was, got it. was far superior to that of Kelly Bryant, and it was very obvious. We were kind of just like, we were used to that. We watched Drew Locke play for four seasons, you mm-hmm. know. So, you know, Kelly Bryant at certain times in the season played very well, but as far as just purely his his throwing mechanic, yes, it's, it's uh, a little ugly comparatively to Drew Locke's, which is not ugly. Right. So... But Drew Locke, I mean, you're talking about like uh, almost technically perfect throwing motion. Yeah, we're talking about a guy who could be like an NFL star here in the next few years. Right. So it's it's hard to be compared to to that. But it was jarring uh, to I guess react to what you said. Um, I'm not sure that anything you said is is really a super hot take. Um, you know, we, we, Sean Robinson is definitely a little bit unproven. Um, 
didn't well, I think I can't remember if this happened before or after our technical difficulty, but you know he didn't he did not just you know light the world on fire at TCU. So there was a reason he probably transferred. So, um, but I do think that there's talent there, um, there's potential there. I haven't really watched him enough to to know um, what I really think about him as far as his throwing, his throwing motion and all that stuff. But and we'll we'll probably dive into that uh, you know as we get closer to the season. But um, I guess all in all, I think we both probably are are rooting for a Connor Bazelak, um return, and he may not really start the season. But I think the second half of the season, hopefully, we're we're seeing Bazelak get at least I don't know several snaps a game. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that um, you know Drew Locke would get a drive. You know, at the beginning of his freshman year, uh, Matty Mock was still the starter. Drew mm-hmm. Locke would get a drive. Matty Mock would get a drive when James Franklin was the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not unheard of, uh, even at Missouri specifically. Um, I just think that had the spring game been played, I, I absolutely 100% hope I'm wrong. I hope that he would have that Robinson would have looked amazing and we'd have no doubts about him being the starter going into the season. I just don't think that's what have, what would have happened if the spring game had been played. Um on the flip side, I think we would have been incredibly excited about the running backs like we have been the last couple seasons. Um we all know about your affinity for one Mr. Tyler Beatty and I think he and Larry Roundtree and Sami Bakari and some of the uh, other running back depth would have looked really good. Um, maybe not quite as good as they usually look in Mizzou spring games, playing against the second team uh, defense. Um, playing against the first team defense, maybe it wouldn't have looked quite as spectacular. But I still think w- once we got into the running back depth against the defensive depth, then we would have seen some pretty big runs and uh, we would have been you know, like we have been the last couple of years, pretty excited about the running backs. Oh man. Just talking about Tyler Beatty puts me in a good mood, fellas. Um, I got in all seriousness though, I, I have to say, you know, I think Tyler Beatty has a great shot to be kind of the X factor of this offense. And like the way he, his style of play fits with, I think a, a coach Trinkwitz offense. Um, I don't, you know, I haven't really studied, you know, Appalachian state offense, but I definitely don't think there's going to be quite as much uh, kind of line it up and run north and south as a Barry Odom offense. And uh, as we just saw the last few years, which really kind of catered to Larry Roundtree. And I still think Larry Roundtree will still be a huge part of the season, but I would not be surprised if we see Tyler Beatty get more snaps than Roundtree this year. Um, and I don't know how drastic of a change we'll see in the offensive style from last year to this year, but or this upcoming year, but uh, it, it really wouldn't shock me and i i know i love tyler Beatty, but i i really think that he's primed to have a massive year so leading rusher for appalachian state last year was darrington evans uh 255 rushing attempts which is a lot uh only 21 receptions Hmm. for about 200 yards and five touchdowns so um you know maybe not and then another running back uh with 113 rushes had just one reception Hmm. so um maybe you know evans was more of uh just pure running back and kind of had to adapt to some of the play calling um and if that's the case then you're looking at a player in tyler Beatty who is built for that type of offense more or less and 
yeah, I think could be uh, that, you know, really shine as the dual threat that we know he can be mm-hmm. under the right circumstances. Uh, who do you think would have – is there any one player besides Roundtree and Beatty that you think would have really shown us something that would make us – I feel like there's always a third running back that we're like, oh, watch out for them. They're going to – that's going to be the one that gets snaps as the third running back and then uh, based on the spring game, and then it doesn't always work out that way when the season actually rolls around. Yeah, uh, when the season rolls around, that's that's when the best players play. And so sometimes you know, there's guys on the roster you like um, – that just don't see as much you know playing time but uh that's a good question um i I think i'd like to see what the tight ends would have looked like in the spring game obviously daniel parker jr's had uh an issue with his eye i don't think he would have played um who yeah who starts it at tight end um i'd like to see messiah swinton back in action because i know he tore his acl and he was a he was a pretty big recruit um at the time of him coming in so i think i'd like to see a, a healthy swinton and um who who am i missing you know Christofferson, uh, Brendan Scales, Brendan Scales. Um, I feel like I'm missing somebody else still, but Nico um, Hay. Yeah, there we go. I, I think that Nico Hay and Messiah Swenson are probably the two guys that get the most run at, at tight end uh, with Daniel Parker Jr. out in the spring game. So it would have been kind of interesting to see how they were used, uh, where they lined up, if they if they played kind of an H back at all um, in any of those formations, or if they're going out wide or running routes or blocking. I, like what kind of the kind of the balance of of uh, of how they're used would have been interesting to watch. Uh, one thing that I wanted to ask you specifically about the running backs is: Do you think um, Elijah Young has an opportunity to see some playing time and maybe even uh, burn a red shirt as a true freshman? Um, I don't know. Burning the red shirt, it's just to me, it always seems like a little bit wasteful. Mm-hmm. Whenever a guy's truly doesn't have to have a role whenever there's you know definitely when you're the third running back or maybe yes whenever you're the third or maybe even the fourth running back um is it really necessary for them to burn the red shirt and i and i know we're talking about guys and their actual lives here and you know just because i'm thinking of them as a football player and it would be nice to have them for five years yeah, you're maybe, thinking of them in terms of years of eligibility yes yeah. I, I'm, I'm almost like i'm doing the gm role on like a on a video game you know i'm not thinking about them as a as a human which probably i should and maybe the coaches are um but i think there's a lot there's a lot of players like that that that, you know kind of burn their red shirt just playing on special teams and i always kind of wonder if that's necessary but um i I think he definitely will will get to play um quite a bit this year and i i'm really not sure though on the red shirt though um i kind of hope that he doesn't burn his shirt but if he's you know carving out that meaningful of of a role then, then great go for it Maybe uh, significant snaps in exactly four games would be totally fine. Yeah, I mean, well, that's kind of what they did with Bazelak. You know, he played in several games and um, at least a little bit, and he played that one full game against Arkansas. That's pretty good experience for mm-hmm. not having to use any eligibility at yeah, all. fantastic, I would say. Uh, we talked about the wide receivers quite a bit already. We just touched on the, the tight ends. Um, there's not usually a ton to talk about on the offensive line coming out of the spring game. Uh, other than maybe just you know who gets the first team reps yeah hopefully no injuries or anything exactly um on the defensive side of the ball um i think i'm just gonna go ahead and say it we definitely would have seen a nick bolton interception (laughs) and it would have gotten us really jazzed about him and his prospects for the season and that would have been a big story everybody would have been talking about um you know because tackles and sacks and stuff in the spring game are not quite as big of a deal because you know 
they're being told to go down mm-hmm. uh, easily when they're tackled. Yeah, I feel like we usually see a lot of interceptions and stuff because it's just like inexperienced guys playing. But um, Nick Bolton's so good. Um, I mean, he's he's gonna easily be drafted next year, potentially a, a potentially first round pick mm-hmm. next year. Um, Which I, means realistically a fourth round pick. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I mean, he he would have destroyed everybody out there. Um, he is definitely like probably the surefire like best player on the whole team. But it have been it would have been interesting to probably see who they trotted out there for defensive line. Um, you know, we've got Chris Turner and Kobe Whiteside, and I don't really know who else is playing outside of that. Probably Jatorian Williams probably. Yeah, I, I think Trey Williams might um, have a chance to to start. But Kale Byers. Yeah, most likely. I'm thinking the that Chris Turner and Jatorian Hansford are probably the starting ends. Yeah, I think one thing we would have been talking about is, wow, a lot of guys are returning on the defensive line, but not guys that really blow you away. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jordan Elliott was the guy on the defensive line um, that you could really write home about. And there's not – I mean, we've talked about how the recruiting uh, – from a recruiting standpoint, there was nobody really coming in that was going to be much of an impact guy on the defensive line. Right. And so you're returning a lot of experience, but, you know, kind of like how we talk about with the basketball team, when you're returning a lot of players that didn't really blow you away the previous season. Um, experience isn't always a good yeah. thing. Can you get that excited about it? Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what we would have, you know, we'd have been seeing a lot of familiar names on the defensive line in the spring game and also been like, oh, you know, yeah, we're running it back. Man, it seems like Chris Turner is a guy that's been playing for Mizzou for 10 years and um he was kind of a guy that was a low rated recruit that i thought was going to come in and like blow past his you know recruiting rankings and and he really just kind of hasn't he's kind of just been there he but because of the conditions of the uh, you know the defensive line not being great the last few years he's had a great opportunity to play a lot but he's just kind of been there and you know i'd like to see him you know break out and really make a difference this year um because again the opportunity's there he's probably going to be the guy on on the line but hasn't really brought much to the table in the last few years so um and again i mean we'll we'll mention this a lot that this is a totally new coaching staff and so everybody's starting from ground zero there's no well this guy you know he, he he's experienced and we got through a lot together so he's gonna play more there's just everybody's at ground zero with this coaching staff and so everyone's has to earn their spot and uh it'll be really interesting to uh just because a, a guy played last year doesn't mean he's gonna play this year right um some uh kind of specific interesting questions i wanted to have you ponder um we kind of touched on this a little bit uh when we talked about um elijah young burning the red shirt but is out is there any freshman that you think could make uh an immediate impact that we would have you know that would have really sparked our interest in the spring game that is there anybody that really that you think is a good candidate to contribute as a freshman that we would have kind of been reminded about in the spring game. Oh, put me on the spot here. Maybe um, like, uh, I'll give you some options since I'm looking at names right in front of me, mm-hmm. uh, at wide receiver, maybe like a Jay Macklin, um, on the defensive side of the ball. Well, obviously, Ennis Rakestraw comes to comes to mind, mm-hmm. but oh, actually, no, he wasn't even on campus. So, uh, because True. he's he's uh, not he was not a spring enrollee. So, are you talking about guys who uh, just came in the spring and have been on been on campus for like a month or two, kind of like Brady Cook or uh, yeah, and Elijah Young? Yeah, 
Honestly, I mean, I got, I, we already talked about this, like you said, but I, I really do think Elijah Young is probably the the best player that has the chance to make the biggest impact um, of those of those spring enrollees. Well, and and there's you, not very many of and them. And you actually mentioned something that I hadn't thought about. I was just purely talking about him as a running back, and that's special teams. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think he could be he could carve out a role there and be meaningful enough to lose the redshirt through um, special teams mm-hmm. and. I know, and one thing that adds to my thinking there is Coach Drinkwitz saying that he's going to invest a lot of time and energy into um, making sure the special teams is on point, which is something that is music to our ears because it's been a deficiency with Mizzou football for pretty much all of Barry Odom's tenure. That's a nice way to put it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Sometimes it makes us pull our hair out. Uh, while watching games so i've never like i've never realized that punting is such an important uh, facet of the game (laughs) (laughs) until recently yeah just like uh retaining possession when the other team is attempting to give it to you Mm -hmm. is that's like really important you remember the like bowl game against texas a few years ago and they had like the greatest punter in the world yeah like okay i don't want to go down that road but that i mean that was the greatest the the best punter in the nfl right now yeah (laughs) he plays for seattle i think right oof uh I've never been so impressed by a punter. Yeah, that was that was so painful to watch because you're just like, is this is this really happening? Is a punter? He's pinning us in the side of the ten every time. Yeah, gosh, you he could... would win gold medal on coffin corner kick every single time. <laughs> Seriously, uh, I got another question for you. Let's hear it. Um, I kind of thought that we would see another decent outing from Barrett Bannister, and I'm going to predict that we saw that from him in the spring game, and then he would carry that into the regular season and have a regular season that kind of matched his output in the spring game is there anybody like that that you think if they did perform well in the spring game you could count on them backing that up in the regular season yeah I think a name that kind of comes to mind is Dominic Jacinto I think he's a guy who is very um, physically capable of of getting out there and really making defenses uncomfortable because he's very fast Um, he has really good hands He's made some plays in the past, but um, his, you know, he's. I think he's pretty young, so he might be a junior this year. But I think he is definitely a wide receiver that comes to mind as a guy that we might, you know, hear from a little bit more than we have in the past. Yeah, I think he had a uh, like a thirty-yard reception right at the beginning of the spring game last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I do remember him making a, a big touchdown play last year. But then, yeah, I mean, he had some some big plays in the regular season, but maybe, you know was overshadowed a little bit by some other players at receiver mm-hmm. um yeah just the receiver room was just a little bit of a revolving door last year just never could really find a player that was consistent uh had a lot of drops last year yeah i mean i just wrote down some names i mean the guys returning that have every opportunity to just be outstanding players jalen knox cj boone uh dominic jacinto kamari thompson maurice massey uh, I mean, yeah, that could be all those guys have the potential to uh, to be really good. And I mean, specifically Maurice Massey, he's just an athletic freak mm-hmm. um, and he can just he can do so many, so many crazy things. And, uh, you know, Jalen Knox has kind of shown that at times he can really be one of the most reliable offensive players out there. He's super balanced um, player, good hands, good speed. And but, still just a junior. Yeah, but, you know, at, again, at times, sometimes he would kind of just disappear and get shut down a little bit because, you know, he would sometimes draw the best corner on the other team. And But I think with um, with age and experience, I think Jalen Knox could end up being kind of the 
the uh, the prominent guy in the room. Man, it would have been fun to have a spring game actually happen. Yeah. I, I can visualize some of these plays, you know. It's just fun to talk about football again. I know it's yeah. just, I mean, with, especially with everything going on, just with not a lot of sports going on. It's so fun just to think about actually watching real sports and, and just – this happens to me every year. I start thinking about, I start getting excited about football around this time of year. And I'm like, kind of feels close, but we're still like several months away. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, spring game's always fun just to kind of get a little snapshot into the team, um, you know, in the middle of the off season. And this year definitely would have brought, brought some, uh, some different things that we could have looked forward to, um, with, with a new coaching staff. Yeah. And just hearing from the coaches and just, you know, getting some getting reports, some interviews or, yeah, yeah. some reports from practices, just not getting any of that is so bizarre. Yeah. It just feels like we're so disconnected from the football team because it's been so long since we've had any, any meaningful yeah. uh, insight into what's going on over there. Yeah. It's like we, the only thing that we're hearing is about recruiting, which is going very well, yeah. but we don't know anything about the actual team, the actual guys on the team right yeah. now that are going to play in three months for Missouri. We know nothing about them yeah. or what it's going to look like. And the, oh, the other thing that we forgot to mention was the kickers. We've got three yeah. or four like freshman kickers on the roster. We had no idea who's gonna, you know, that. I mean, that's a very important role on the team. With losing Tucker McCann, um, he certainly had his ups and downs at Missouri, but um, I think uh, we have a pretty highly rated freshman coming in, Harrison Mevis. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then a couple of backups, but I I would assume that uh, Mevis is gonna start, but I don't know. Yeah, we could be in line for another four-year starter at uh, the kicker spot. Uh, Sean Keating actually attempted a kick or two in the spring game last year. He's a redshirt junior, but he missed, I think it was like a 28-yarder or something. <laughs> so I Yeah, know. typically uh, I feel like kickers just come in and play all four years. You kind of just throw them into the fire in their freshman year and just uh, create some kind of continuity there. And with a high, highly rated guy coming in, I would think that he's just kind of the guy for the next four years if he wants to be. Um, I don't know why you have so many kickers on the roster, honestly. I don't know why you have four kickers on the roster, whenever, especially in this time when Missouri's in a potential scholarship reduction phase. Uh, Tucker I, McCann punted last year too, right? At times, yeah. So there's a redshirt sophomore punter on the roster named Josh Dodge. Okay, yeah, I'm familiar with him. So, yeah, I mean... He he will probably be the punter, I right. assume, yeah. But then there's... Uh, let me... I mean, I'm not advocating for people losing their scholarships or anything, but I don't want to like... <laughs> but at the same time, it just seems interesting why you'd have so many scholarships taken up with specialists who will never play. Yeah, uh, redshirt freshman Aaron Rodriguez listed as kicker. Redshirt freshman Logan Brock listed as kicker uh, from Springfield Catholic. Beautiful Springfield, Missouri. Harrison Mevis, freshman listed as kicker. And then Sean Keating listed as place kicker. Oh. What? Field goals aren't his thing, but he can really kick it far. (laughs) We might have a situation where we have one guy doing the punting, one guy doing the uh, kickoffs, and a third doing the field goals i think we have multiple long snappers on the roster too well we know who's going to win that job absolutely our buddy you know absolutely special teams are very important though yeah they are i actually would have been really interested to see who would be uh returning punts if they would even punt in the spring game i don't even know 
Uh, it seemed like at Appalachian State they were kind of like lining up in uh, sort of like the general area of the red zone, the beginning of the red zone, and just starting the offense from there. But then I also saw a 60-yard touchdown, so maybe they were just moving the line of scrimmage around all game. I think with Missouri's spring games, they typically will do everything. Like the offense will, will hike the ball, and then the punter will kick it, and then there will be a returner that just catches it, yeah. and that's all that happens. Yeah. Yeah. But that'll be something that is going to be a mystery now, uh, you know, right up until the season starts because no Jonathan Johnson, no Rashad Floyd. So much mystery. Yeah. It literally could be anybody. Yeah, that, that that's truly like one of the things about the spring game that we, we find all this stuff. We find out a lot of this stuff, but it is just going to be a mystery for really up until fall camp or even game day. We will not know any uh, a lot of this stuff until then. So we, we missed out be... on seeing Cade Musser return punts. I bet that's who would have done oh, it. Oh, yeah, you're probably right. We'll never know. Football's back, folks. Yeah. <laughs> it was a fun spring game. Looking forward to the season. Glad we could break it down for everybody. Uh, were there any big plays that you liked that we didn't talk <laughs> about? Uh, let us know. And it's kind of sad. It is. It is. But football will hopefully be back. Um, are you still going to be as excited about football as normal? Like, what, what is your reaction if, if they say no fans? Uh, sad. Sad. But I still have a TV. We still have SEC Network. We can make it work. Yeah. Um, at the at the with the way everything has been going, I think in some of the statements that's that been made, football is going to happen. Like, I I think that it's pretty apparent that they will make at least college football happen in some capacity no matter what and even if there will be plenty of people potentially upset about that and even if there's you know another spike in coronavirus or even if they don't play the full season there will be games played even if there's no fans something will happen and there will be money generated somehow because they can't afford to go without it and uh, ultimately that's truly what everybody cares about (laughs) it seems like is is will money be generated yeah so that's what probably will need to happen in some way in the uh, in the fall so it could be a really weird season um but i just am excited to see some kind of like competition on my television yeah absolutely uh i said earlier before we started recruiting i recruiting <laughs> <laughs> before we started recording uh i would sacrifice whatever remains of the nba season nhl season mlb season I would sacrifice those in a heartbeat to guarantee uh, college football happens as scheduled. I agree. I I would love to have baseball or NBA playoffs on my TV right now. I would watch it and I would enjoy it. But uh, apparently, I'm going through puberty again, and <laughs> I. But I agree with you. I ultimately just want football to be here and be on time and to be played. So I agree with you. Yep. Well, we're in agreement. Cool. Like like normal. Yep. All right, everybody, you can find this on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter and YouTube at Mizzou Sports. I uh, messed that up. Mizzou and I messed that up too. <laughs> Twitter and Instagram at Mizzou Sports Pod. And we're on YouTube. And you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. And wherever you're listening, please give us a rating, a review, like, uh, subscribe, comment. We'll interact with you any way we can we're that accessible and thank you everyone for listening we will see you next week after a long week of recruiting